Welcome to the Progress with Unity podcast. We're coming this week on the back of a defeat. Are we going to be upbeat? Of course we are. There's four of us in the studio tonight. There's myself, Barry, Adam, Paul and Simon. How are we doing, fellas? Yeah, not so bad. Yeah, all good, all good. Let's crack on, shall we? Straight into it. Wigan Athletic 1, MK Dons 2. Quick look back at the goals. Charlie White on 20 minutes. Good assist by Keane. Paul, what did you make of Charlie White's goal? Yeah, it was all right. De- decent goal. Good to see him get on the score sheet. It keeps him ticking over. Decent goal. At that stage, even though they was knocking the ball away quite comfortably, a, a real first first real attack that weren't it? And we brought we brought them down. Took a, did we took a quick free kick, didn't we, from the back and, and uh, put it up on the right hand side? The fans put their hands in their head as though here we go again. And I thought if we'd have pressed on there, we we just might have come out victors. I think I referred to it as a kind of a half of two halves, really, because uh, you know the first part of it we were relatively comfortable. Uh, we had a couple of opportunities where the, the final ball wasn't as good as it could have been uh, and then a nice bit of play uh, lovely lovely run timed run to stay on side from Keane you know looked up picked his man out Charlie White puts it in the net but yeah I think you're right after that I think get the second goal they would collapse I think but they started to take control about the midway point of the half and to be fair they never really lost control of the game. After that, we couldn't really get it back. I thought for the first time in a while, we were done in midfield badly. A couple of players who were outstanding, I thought, for their team uh, in midfield. Kioso put the uh, the first goal away for them at the back post. Great little dinking cross from Irvi on the left-hand side. But do you think we should have dealt with that better than what we did? Yeah, I do think we had a, every opportunity to get rid uh, or at least get something done with it. It, it was frustrating more than anything because, I, I, you know, you said about the uh, MK Don fans having their heads in their hands and thinking, oh, no, here we go again. I was sat there thinking, oh, yes, here we go again when we went ahead. And it was it was a bit more, it was a bit disappointing. And I think that's that's the main thing from yesterday is that it was a bit, just a bit lacklustre, a bit disappointing. It could have been dealt with a bit of a cheap goal to give away, really. Yeah, and then the uh, the second goal, a lot of people were, were screaming for a free kick. Personally, I didn't think it was a free kick on, on Will Keane. It was just a challenge for the ball and he went down. Uh, the referee let them go all night long. Yeah, I think there was one just before it uh, that was more of a foul. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I remember the, the thinking, oh, that the one previous to it was more of a foul. I think the, Tom Naylor the, got, got bungled over. That's the one, yeah. I thought that was that was a foul, but there was quite a bit of play then before the goal. Obviously, they got the goal pretty much from that incident. But yeah, to me, it didn't look like Keane really had control of the ball. I think he's just nipped in and, and got it. And you get them sometimes those free kicks, but you've got to accept that on other occasions you don't get them. So I haven't got too many complaints with that uh, incident. Well, that ball went in the back of the net. I mean, it was only on 37 minutes, so we got a lot of time to turn the game back around in our favour again. But we just didn't seem to get going. Personally, I thought we lacked a little bit of energy. You know, whether uh, Liam Richardson's come out today and said Bolton had nothing to do with the way we played, it, it, they weren't sapped. But it just looked like, to me, it looked like it, it did, if I'm being honest. It looked like it really did. What, what I would say is that the 
midfield control the game? The frustrating thing thing for me, I, I would agree with the energy levels. Just I, I mean, they, they do it very objectively, don't they? So they you know they've got they've all wear the um, the trackers in the in the vest, and and they will know as a management team exactly whether or not there was any sort of physical repercussions from from the Bolton game. But I, I think the emotional repercussion from the Bolton game is something that you can't measure and. It will just take that half a yard off you because it was a, you know, it was a massive high for everybody involved, and then the natural thing is for that to be followed with a bit of a lull. The obvious thing is Jordan Cousins. The miss from that game was Jordan Cousins. Naylor and Cousins together have controlled every game. They've controlled the pace of the, every game we've played, and I think we saw on Tuesday just how important he is. Can I just read something out before I go to you, Adam? This is from Joe Freese, an MK Dons uh, supporter, and he sent me a message. And he, he said, we did what we had to do in the first half and defended amazing in the second. He said, our second half was similar to those against Shrewsbury last Saturday where they dominated possession but couldn't score. The stats prove that we dominated the possession in that second half. He said that their number eight, Dave Kasumo, so for me, he was he was the standout player. It was the best game he's played for him all season, so he seems like he's, he saved his top performance to play against us. But he also says that we clearly have some great players and we will be up there come the end of the season. Yeah, I can't disagree. Can't disagree with anything he said there, um, and, I, and I think maybe, maybe the the number eight. I think for them, grew into the game. His confidence levels uh, went up as he started getting on the ball more, and he just ran it. He dominated it. Very dominant performance from a midfielder. The only one this year, like you said, who has dominated. The one thing I would say about Cousins is, for me, Cousins and Naylor are Rice and Phillips if you want to like put it in England terms, uh, with the way that we're playing with our full-backs wanting to get high up. You saw with England last week, uh, you know, at a much higher level, that if you take out one of those key components and instead you put more of a passer in there or a forward-thinking player, Bayless has clearly got something. You could see the way he strikes the ball, passes it generally is good, but he's not a shield for the defence. And for me, I think we need to have somebody in there to be a shield because if not how many times do we see Derricka and Power caught up field last night and there wasn't the level of cover there that's why I that's why I suggested that a centre back was number uh, was man of the match uh, Simon coming off what Adam said there and I'll throw this into your court do you think team selection was possibly wrong maybe Pierce at left back Derricka right back I mean that's what we called it before the game we did call we call that, and I was surprised that that Bayless did start. Do you think that would have made must, a difference with Power being in midfield alongside Naylor? In my honest opinion, I think so. Um, I, I do think Power, if you look at the game on a whole, when he moved into that midfield position, he for me seemed a lot more involved. There was different types of balls being played, and I think we looked obviously towards the end of that second half, we looked a much more uh, attacking threat. And like you say, with with Bayless hasn't had game time, and I know the only way you can get time is by playing games. But there was an option there to switch things around. P 
Pierce is a is a natural replacement to go in at left back. Derrick were back over to right back. For me, it, it could have been the right the right call. But we don't work with these guys week in week out. But for I do think Power made a difference when he moved into that midfield position. Uh, there was one particular ball he played late in the second half, which you know it was a good 40, 50 yard pass cut through the defence. And I think if we'd had that a bit sooner with, um, you know, a bit more t- life left in the legs of players, we could have had a better chance. Uh, because going on to that, having life left in the legs, I thought Charlie White, I mean, fair play to the lad. He's been non-stop running this season, but you could even see to him, he was struggling to walk off the pitch when when he was coming off. So it's tough, but we need that strength and depth, don't we now? Because we've got a, a tough run of fixtures this month or this, this next month. Paul, I can see you shaking your head though, but on Sunday you was saying we've got a midfielder ready to step in. You saw you shaking your head though. So would you, I'm not looking at this in eyesight, I'm just thinking about what we said on Sunday and our team selections, what we, and, and you yourself advocated for, for Piers to come in. I'm not saying Bayless is, is, is a bad player, I'm not saying that whatsoever. I, th- I think it's one of those footballing cliches. The manager's got a decision to make between two perfectly feasible options. And if the option he chooses works, he gets a lot of credit. If the option he chooses doesn't work, everybody just sits there with hindsight and say, well, you should have done it that way. I mean, the, the thing that was frustrating for me last night was the number of times we gave the ball away and, and set them off on the attack. There was a, a few players at it. I mean, Bayliss in particular gave a couple away which you just put down to a bit of ring rustiness. But that was the frustrating thing. And that's where I I was saying earlier about mentally being switched on and being alert. If you're not quite there, it's easier to just... You're mentally tired and you just give the ball away or you misplace a pass. Um, I thought there was more of that going on than what I've seen in a while. But if if you think back to that first home game against Rotherham, it was when Cousins came on and Cousins and Naylor got together that we got a grip of that game. Because before that, it was it was a lot more even. So basically what I'm saying is when Cousins and Naylor have been together with boss games, when they've not, that's when we've got to find an alternative, especially if we, you know, we don't know how long he's out for. The stats, 58% possession to us. So saying they're the, uh, the possession team in the Football League, never mind the division, you know, it just shows you possession doesn't win your games. Uh, 12 shots apiece. And we both committed eight fouls, according to referee Darren Drysdale. Hmm. Uh, the attendance, Adam, is one uh, where you've, you know, again, proves your point. 8,000 uh, regulars. It was 8,351 with 187 travelling fans. Yeah, I agree with you there, Barry. I think we've got the uh, the stalwarts there now, the, the the supporters that are going week in, week out. And I don't think we've had this consistency for uh, for a long time. So that's I think that's a good thing. Um, we'll always get a little bit higher when we play the bigger sides, but generally speaking, pleased with that. Just one thing to add, Tuesday nights. Can we stop playing on Tuesday nights? Because basically our form on a Tuesday night has been poor for a long time. Uh, I was trying to work this out yesterday. This season, we haven't won on a Tuesday night. We've dropped seven points at home on a Tuesday night. Eight points at home, actually, isn't it? On a Tuesday night. And I seem to recall last season, did we lose all our 5-0 games on a Tuesday night as well? I seem to remember they were all night games, weren't they? Blackpool and Rochdale... Definitely were. I'm not so sure about all, but Blackpool and, and uh, Rochdale definitely Tuesday night. Before we leave the MK Dons game, the Progress with Unity listeners, man of the match winner, 
voted for on our Twitter account and on Facebook goes to Wigan Athletic number two, Kel Watts. I think that's the first time he's bagged it this season, but he's always been in the running. So fantastic. Uh, Kel, well done. And he, he did have a, a solid game. Well, there's one good thing about uh, this week. We've got a chance to rectify yesterday's performance on Saturday. We're travelling down to AFC Wimbledon for our first ever fans visit. Fans visit, not club visit, but fans visit to the brand new stadium. And we're taking a thousand supporters, which is our full allocation along the way. We'll go with Ref Watch. This week, the ref is Stafford-based official Ollie Yates, and he will take charge of the game. This will be his second Latics game. His first one was a 1-0 defeat away at Charlton last season. This season, Yates has taken charge of just four games, issuing 14 yellows, no reds, and he's not given any penalties. That's Ollie Yates, the ref for Saturday. Okay, so we've played Wimbledon 14 times. Uh, We've won four, lost six, and we've made uh, four draws. The first meeting came in our first season in the Football League. Wimbledon were elected the season before we actually gained entry. Uh, we lost 2-1 down at the Old Plow Lane. Uh, our last meeting um, was also down at Plow Lane, and that was a uh, 1-1 draw uh, back in March. Uh, I think at the time, both sides were really coming into good form and uh, obviously really good that you know both of us... Um, Stopped up in the uh, in the League One, so that is the uh, previous from Wimbledon versus Wigan Athletic. Yeah, and uh, we've managed to grab an interview with Ray Anfield, who is a, a stalwart supporter of the Dons. Uh, he's also well. It, it, let's let him introduce himself, and then we'll find out exactly who he is and what he's got to say. Okay, hi everyone. My name's Ray Armfield um, at AFC Wimbledon. I'm one of the programme editors and also now a stadium tour guide for Plough Lane. Mark Robinson, our manager, what can I say about him? Well, when we last spoke in March, it was quite early doors for his managerial tenure, but um, I think we've seen a bit more of what he can do now. And he's certainly kept faith in the youngsters that he used to manage in the youth team, brought them through. They're now around the 2021 mark and one or two are doing very well for us. So um, very pleased with him so far. The fans are back at Plough Lane now. I always say to people, I could show you a hundred photographs of Plough Lane, but you really need to get in and see it, touch it, feel it to get the full Plough Lane thing. And it's been great. Yeah. And I'm really pleased to say that the crowds have bought into it also. Our crowds are averaging well above seven and a half thousand, which is fantastic from, from where we used to be. And to give you a bit of a, a sense of size and scale, when you come and see us Saturday, you could have fitted our entire old ground into our new main stand. Happy days all around. On the away fans side, we were given 1,400 capacity in, in that stand, first of all. Uh, we're trying a few things out in conjunction with the club and the local police, but generally nobody gets less than a 1,000. And again, unlike our previous ground, the views are very good. There's no pillars or posts in the way. Everyone gets a seat and you can see what's what's going on. So again, I think apart from Burton Albion, who brought about three or 400, everyone else has been near the thousand mark. And I think you guys are doing the same on Saturday as well. So that's great also for atmosphere. Yeah, the season started off very well. Perhaps people will say, oh, the new, the new stadium bounce maybe, and perhaps being a bit of an unknown quantity still with a number of brand new players in the team. What I'd maybe like to do is not sort of say, I'd like to finish in this place, but just say, 
for once, I wouldn't like to look down every time I look at a table. That would do me. Yeah, in terms of sort of where the goals are coming from, I think when we lost Joe Piggott at the end of last season, Mark Robinson said, well, we're not going to get a like-for-like replacement for him. We're going to have to share the goals around. And he was right because uh, Nesta Guinness-Walker scored on Saturday and he was our 15th different goal scorer. So, yes, the goals are certainly being, being shared around. I think if we're, if we're missing one or two players in key areas, it is now Will Nightingale at the back, but also perhaps Ollie Palmer up the top because he's our, he's our target man, if you like, and really he's the only one that we've got. And we found out on Saturday where we were missing two, two forwards and had to play like a false nine and two wingers around him that half the time the ball was just coming straight back to us. So I'm really hoping that uh, Aaron Presley, our sort of standing, is going to be fit for Saturday. We mentioned Jack Rudoni is doing well just now, and he has for us, but uh, Luke McCormick, who we got from Chelsea on a permanent signing, was, was very much seen by the by the boss as the jewel in the crown or a, a marquee signing, and we were very pleased to get him. I think maybe at the moment we haven't quite seen him at his best as much as we maybe like to, but that's not his fault. He's just had to play a number of various roles, including playing off the lone target man, but... Uh, when you watch him, you can see the quality he's got and he, and he brings out quality in other players as well. So it's not just what he can do, it's what he brings to the team as well. One player that's really got bums off seats at Plough Lane so far is a little lad called Ayub Asal. He's only about five foot eight. He's a home homegrown youngster. Gets among the goals, gets in people's faces. And I think if you were to say which of all your youngsters might be the next cab off the rank in terms of moving to a, a bigger club, it might be him. So he's certainly one to look out for. We are, we are trying to pass it around a bit now. I think our best best game of the season was when we beat Oxford 3-1 at home early in the season. And the move to our third goal started almost on our own goal line. There were five or six passes. The ball never left the floor until uh, Jack Rudoni stroked it home. And every single one of those players was an academy product. So I'm hoping that if people look at us now, they won't just think, oh, Wimbledon, because you used to be all long balls and short, short haircuts. That's how you... That's how you still are. I think we've moved on a bit from, from there. And certainly that goal, I hope, typified the way we want to play now. But obviously it's up to opposition teams to let us. Getting a bit of a tag as being the come, comeback kings, maybe. Sadly, it's most of the time it's a bit out of necessity, really, because we, we seem to do the sort of worst things first and then have to rescue ourselves. One thing Mark Robinson does do is he, he tends to focus on the, on the whole squad and not just the starting 11. So when he brings substitutes on, he calls them finishers rather than substitutes because that's how he sees their job as finishing the game off. And I have to say, you know, his record shows he gets that right more often than he gets it wrong in terms of subs or finishers. He's got me doing it now as well. So, <laughs> Well, when we played Bolton Wanderers, it was the opening day of the season and it was a 3-3 three, three, three draw and it was quite a lively game, as the scoreline suggests. I've seen one or two teams since, obviously, including one or two who are near the top. Plymouth of surprised me a bit but um I was quite quite impressed with Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday up to the point where we brought our subs on and then they didn't seem to know what to do and talking to a couple of Wednesday fans after the game that seems to be a bit of an issue for them but um are, are Bolton the best team in League One no I don't think so with what I've seen I've seen Plymouth I've seen Plymouth beat us and they didn't did a number on us really I'm not sure they've got the staying power to sort of be up there at the end of the season. To be honest, I, I can't really see beyond maybe yourselves and Sunderland for the two automatic spots. But I think the playoffs might be any one of about 10 teams. But uh, yeah, 
yourselves and Sunderland so far. That prediction for Saturday. Right. Um, I'm kind of hoping it might go the same way as the Sheffield Wednesday game on Saturday. I can see you guys taking the lead, maybe. And maybe our finishers might come on and grab a draw. So I'm going to go for 1-1. One, one. Excellent. Excellent preview, that. Really enjoyed that. Lots of uh, lots of detail in that. Um, very impressed with what he's saying about the way they're building the club, using the young players. Uh, the crowds that they're getting at the moment sounds like they're all buying into the you know to the new ground, which is great. Sounds like they're also the comeback kings. You know they have to go behind to start playing, and I like this terminology that he's using. Finishers. That sounds very a bit rugby type of uh, or cricket even. Uh, your finishers coming on, uh, you know, at the end of the game rather than your substitutes. So that's quite interesting. So I, I guess. If we're two all up with 15 minutes to go, let's not all get too excited. I think that's the way uh, that we might uh, look at that. But yeah, really good, really good preview. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, he doesn't think that Bolton are the best team in the division. And he thinks that we're going to get promoted. Well, they've not lost in the last three. They've played Burton, Sheffield Wednesday and Lincoln, picking up two draws in the, in the first two. And then they beat Lincoln City most recently which is, you know, cracking result, Lincoln aren't uh, a bad side. And they're doing all right in the league, aren't they, as well, mid-table, uh, where you probably expect them to be after last season. They, they were tipped for relegation. I think we had them on most times, didn't we, to uh, to get relegated. But um, let's look at the odds, take a turn to the odds. And uh, Wimbledon, the best price at 5-2, to the draw 5-2, to and the Latics 6-5. Uh, to five. So, obviously, in our favour. First goal scorers are littered with Latics men. Keen and Lang uh, are up there. But my pick for the weekend, which will shape my prediction for the weekend, is a half-time draw, Wigan full-time, which you can get at a good price of 9-2. to two. Yeah, that's how I see the game going at, down there. Paul, do you want to start us off with the team selection and give us a prediction? Oh, team selection, there's a good one. Do you go to give the team that started yesterday another go and, you know, hope that you get a little bit of ring rustiness out of it? Or do you go with the Pierce left back, Nariqua right back, power in midfield? They're the two options. I think he'll go with the same as he went with last night. So Bayliss will start again. We'll go there and play in a mid-table side. If we want to stay up the top, we want a decent result. So I'll go with a just a one nil. I think. I think you might go for uh, the way that Wimbledon play. I think that we might be able to get them out wide. So I think Pierce, uh, natural attacking uh, fullback on the left, and Derikwa on the right. Again, a couple of times yesterday for me with Derikwa when he got forward. That natural left foot isn't there sometimes. If for me, if you can, if you're played in like he was on a number of occasions to the byline, the Kieran Crompton cross, as they call it, uh, you've got to put quality in, like like Will Keane did in the first half. And Derrick got there a couple of times and could hardly kick it with his left foot, which is poor for a professional, but it is what it is. He's he's a good player and he's much better on his right. Sure, plenty more to say, Simon. <laughs> I'm going to throw another change in there that I might think might happen because, like I say, I thought White was a little bit tired on um, on Tuesday. I think Humphreys might get a start, you know. I, I, I think it's 
I think risking White too much might be, you know, a step too far. So I think Humphreys might get a game. But yeah, I, I, I can't see anything else than a Wigan win this uh, this weekend. Uh, Humphreys in, power to midfield, Pearson at left back, a couple of changes just to keep us fresh. I'm going to go for a 0-0 half-time, 2-0 Wigan win. I, I have a feeling he's going to shuffle his pack a little bit. I, I know when you think about the number of games we've played and we've been unchanged for, is it eight games now, apart from Tuesday night when one was forced upon him. But I don't think Liam Richardson likes making too many changes. I think I, I can see the one Paul first suggested the other week, Pierce left back. Dariqa to a right back and uh, Max Power in midfield. With that in mind, I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to go uh, with Elastics with Elastics winning one nil at half time and a final score of two one because they are a battle inside Wimbledon and I do think they'll come on strong towards the end of the game when the finishes are introduced. And I fancy Luke McCormick actually to score a good goal. He had a great season with Bristol Rovers last year, even though they got relegated. So I, that's mine, 2-1. And welcome back, Adam. I hope you've put 50p in the metre up there in Indley Green. Can we have your, your prediction, please? Yes. Uh, the prediction before before I got cut off, it was Wimbledon nil, Wigan Athletic 3. I'm going to go for a 1-0 at half-time. We're still bunching, aren't we? We're still buzzing. We're fourth in the table. With two games in hand, we're only four points behind Plymouth. With everything to play for. And what a great result down at Home Park last night as well. Some people said they wish Bolton could have taken a point off them. I don't. I wish, I'm disappointed Plymouth didn't hit them for seven, to be honest. Did you have a point to make? Yes. <laughs> I have it? a point to make about that game. It reminded me of Wigan Athletic against Sheffield Wednesday back in 2013. To be honest, that must have been very late in the game. The bit that the third goal, I don't know if it was on. If it wasn't, then it should have been called off. <laughs> not that I'm too disappointed about it, but the the, it, the ball wasn't travelling. It should not. It, it should not be played if the ball doesn't travel. No, wasn't that game James McLean's first game he scored in as well? He scored a goal for us. Yeah, uh, and it was real out. And do you know who the referee were that night? I do because he's awful. Darren Drysdale? No. Keith. 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 Keith Stroud. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. To be fair, we got that spot on. I was there that night and it was horrendous. Yeah. (laughs) He got the spot on. But I think, think, yeah, getting back to the point, uh, Plymouth Argyle 3, Bolt Wonders 0 is a bit of a disappointment because I would have liked uh, a few more goals, put it back at that net. But apart from that, um, yeah. Good stuff. Right, we'll be back on Sunday with reaction from uh, the Wimbledon game and we'll be looking forward to the visit of Lincoln City on Tuesday and we'll have Jake Tong from the Stacey West podcast giving his his lowdown on everything about the Himps and I think that according to him they're going to bring a a good following next week over to Wigan. So uh, something for us to look forward to. On that note... It's a car and up the ticks. Up the ticks. Up the ticks.